good to have you all here this morning. Thanks for coming. And uh, if you take your Bibles and open up to John chapter 4, that's where we're going to start. And uh, excited about the message this morning and the truth that is here. It's a story that I'm sure that you all have heard. Uh, if you grew up in church, you have seen the pictures of this story, and you've read the story, and you've uh, read your Bible, and you've, you've read the story, and you've had it told to you. But I'm going to ask you this morning if you will take what you know and set it aside, and um, not that you're going to hear anything necessarily new this morning, but possibly uh, learn, see something in this passage that uh, maybe you haven't seen or in a different way a truth that you can learn. And the big story of this Samaritan woman in her encounter with Jesus, the big story is somebody, Jesus, speaking life into somebody who needs life, the Samaritan woman. Do you ever feel like things are just not going well? You ever get into a situation or a period of life and it just seems like one thing after another, it just keeps hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. It's like standing in the ocean and the waves just keep knocking you down. You ever feel that way? Or is it just me? I think we all feel that way at times. And isn't it nice when somebody comes up to you and speaks life into you? Somebody comes up and tells you something. You ever have that day where you go get your hair cut, ladies? Men, we don't, we don't suffer with this. We get a haircut and three days later, if it's not what we wanted then, three days later, it's what we want. But women, they get their haircut and for like three weeks, it's, does my hair look nice? Does it make, and it, you have bad hair days. Men don't have bad hair days. At least not that we think. We may have bad hair days, but isn't it nice on one of those bad hair days to have somebody come up to you and say, boy, you, you just look beautiful today. And you think, really? Wow, I didn't. I didn't really do anything different. Oh, that's a beautiful dress. Oh, this old thing? I just said nothing. And have somebody that comes up and, and, and speaks life into you. When you're going through a difficulty and a problem and, and things happen and life happens and, and you get beat down with the difficulties and circumstances of life. And we suffer with what is going on internally to have somebody come up to us and tell us who God says that we are. Because so often the world beats us down and the world tells us who they think we are. But God says that if we are a child of his, that we are a chosen generation. We have a purpose. And sometimes we wonder whether you are on the edge of life. And it's great to have my grandfather here today. And he is on one end of life. He's 102. And uh, we have brand new babies. We have teenagers that are sitting here. And they're on the early end of life. And they wonder, what is God doing with me? The problems and the difficulties I face. The challenges that I go through. Does God have a purpose for me being here? And to have somebody come up to them and moms and dads tell them, this is what God is calling you to. God's calling you to a higher standard. God doesn't have you here just as a, as a accident. Your life did not just happen. God purposed you and God has a reason for you being here. And it's awesome to see young people like Kyla who have found their gifting 
and they use it to bless the church and to bless other people and to see that they have, they have tapped into that purpose and to go and to speak life into her because it's so easy. She plays those songs and she sings and she's like, oh, I missed that note and I, I, I missed that, that timing and all these things and she's looking at the negative and I don't know that Kyla does that but I can just imagine that she evaluates what she's doing and so to go to her and speak life into her and say, man, you did a great job and that blessed my heart and and just encourage and challenge her. But to have people that will come into us and to speak life into us when we are going through a difficult time. And Jesus here in this story is the story of speaking life into a woman that struggled socially. We see in this story that, that uh, we'll get there in a second, but we see in the story that this lady... She went and she drew water. The water, the well, was a half a mile from her town. She carried a water pot, an empty water pot, a half a mile to the well. And then she carried, she was going to carry a full water pot half a mile back home. And I got thinking about that. You ever tried carrying a five-gallon bucket full of water up some steps? I couldn't imagine carrying a pot of water a half a mile. And what would cause her to do this at the sixth hour? This is noon, the hottest part of the day. And we'll see that Jesus, he stopped at this well and he was tired and he was exhausted. And he just wanted to drink. And this lady, she came at noon to get water whether it was because there was nobody there and she wouldn't be bothered and life that was going on in her, she just needed that time to be alone, or she was going through a situation in her life and, and struggles in her life that she was getting the talk about her, the comments to her. And so she said, it's not worth the effort. It's not worth the time to go out when all the other ladies are there. I'm going to go at a time when it's quiet. There's nobody there and I don't have to hear any of it. You ever been there? Go grocery shopping at midnight so you don't have to see any people, anybody. You won't have to run into anybody that you know. You don't have to answer any questions. Nobody's going to stop and ask you, how are you? What's going on? I heard. And so it's just easier for me to go at midnight when there's nobody there and do what I need to do and can inconvenience myself rather than face the questions and problems and difficulties that might come when somebody that knows me sees me. Been there? And that's where we find this woman. And we find Jesus here is going to speak into her. And how many times do we need it or wish that somebody would speak into us? I remember one time when uh, I, I took an airline flight and, and I love to fly. I don't know if you all like to fly, but I love to fly. It can be a window seat. It can be an aisle seat. It can be first class, which I've never been there, or it could be baggage, which I've been many times. It doesn't matter where on the airplane I get to be. I love flying. I just, I love the takeoff, I love the landing, I love the exhilaration, been in flights where you, uh, it's a nice smooth flight, and been in flights where you're holding on for dear life, as if that chair is going to save you, or you can do something by pulling on the arms of the chair. But I remember one time that I uh, flew from Detroit, I was flying from Detroit to uh, San Diego, 
flew from Detroit Metro Airport to LAX, LAX to San Diego, and I got on my flight, and I love getting to the airport early. I'm the type of person, I love to go early, I love to be there, I love to be at my gate, and I love to stop by Cinnabon. They have Cinnabon in the airport still. They're not in the malls, but they're in the airports. And so you go to the airport, you get a Cinnabon, and you go sit at your gate, and you watch people. And it's just fun to see all the people coming up and down the aisles, and to to see those that are missing their flight and they're running and their kids are dragging behind. And some of those before they had the, the uh, baggage that the kid could actually sit on, you'd see kids that were strapped to the, to the wheelie uh, bag and their parents are pulling them down the airport aisles. And I just love to sit there and I love to watch it. And I've kind of figured out airports and I love to go into different airports and see all the different things. And, and just it's just for me, it is great fun. And so I got on that plane in Detroit and I flew to LAX, no problems. I knew where my gate was, I had my ticket, I'd gotten through security with all of my stuff, they haven't confiscated anything and I had all my clothing. It was an awesome day. And I went to the gate that I was supposed to go to and I had my Cinnabon and I was eating it and they called us to start boarding. And I got my bag and I got my ticket and I went to the gate, I handed them my ticket, they let me in the, uh, on the uh, gangway and down to the airplane. I'm sitting there and everybody's filing in, talking to the person beside me and just having great conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about flying again. And we were talking to this lady, and, and, uh, and then they, uh, the intercom comes on and says, we just have a few more passengers that we're boarding, and then we'll be on our way, we're pushing back. A few minutes later, we have boarded all of our passengers, and we have closed the doors, and uh, it is going to be one hour and 15 minutes to, Los, or to, um, to San Francisco. I said, San Francisco? I'm not going to San Francisco. I'm like, excuse me, don't you mean San Diego? Uh, no, sir, we're going to San Francisco. I need off. <laughs> like, that's a little awkward when you're the only person on the whole plane that thinks they're going to San Diego when you're actually going to San Francisco. They let me off the plane, but I was extremely thankful that there was a lady that stood up and said, we are going to San Francisco. If they would have just let me sit there and think I was going to San Diego, I would have gotten off the plane in the wrong spot. My life at that point would have been in chaos. Problems would have ensued and I would have been trying to figure out what to do now. But because somebody spoke truth, my life for a short time became chaotic, but I got where I needed to go. And Jesus in this story, if you look with me in John chapter number four, Jesus in this story, he is going to speak to a lady that is in chaos. In verse number four, and he says, he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. And I find it interesting here in this passage that Jesus is tired. Sometimes we have this idea that Jesus doesn't get tired. Like he just kept going. But Jesus got tired and so it gave me comfort to know that it's okay for me to get tired. 
It's okay that life wearies me, and it's okay for life to, to wear me down. But Jesus got tired, and he sat down at the well waiting for this lady. Do you know in your times of difficulty, in your times of trial, in your times of challenge, is when Jesus shows up? Think about Scripture and the things that we know. Where was Moses when God showed up? He was on the backside of the desert. He was alone. He was wondering, God, you had a plan for my life, and now I'm in a situation in a, in a place I don't even know. There's nobody around. I've got this a bunch of dumb sheep, and what are you doing? And all of a sudden, the bush starts burning, and God starts speaking. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told the king, King, our God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, we know that he could. And did God save them from that fiery furnace? No. God let them go into the fiery furnace. And it was in that furnace that God showed up. And God shows up in our time of difficulty. And we can praise the Lord that whether we're this woman or whether we are who we are today or whether we're Moses, it doesn't matter. In our time of difficulty, God will show up. And so in your difficulties and in your challenges and in your life, be looking for God to show up in those times. He's waiting for you. Jesus was sitting here at the well waiting for this woman to show up. And she came. And he says to her, he makes one request. He says, give me something to drink. Jesus goes on, and we're going to come back to that phrase. So I want you to hold on to that, give me something to drink. I want you to hold on to that because we're going to come back to that. But in verse number 8, it says, For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Notice that she gives some excuses as to why she can't give a drink to Jesus. Notice her, notice her excuses. Number one, she says, How is it that thou, being a Jew? Racial issues. We struggle with that today, don't we? racial issues, and, and we know that the answer, and the answer to this woman's problem was not solving the racial issue. The answer was Jesus Christ. She said, how asks uh, me to drink of me, which am a woman? So we have gender issues. Again, Jesus didn't address the issue. He just kept on going. But these issues are the same issues that we have today. And then he says, a woman of, uh, she says, a woman of Samaria. So now we have national issues. And so all of these things, because Jesus, understand culturally that Jesus, if he would have had something to drink from this Samaritan woman, culturally he would have been considered unclean because anything that a Samaritan were to touch was unclean. And as a Jew, he could not even touch that cup that she had. And so she looks at all of these problems and she looks at all these difficulties and she starts throwing up walls as to why God can't help her. And she says in verse number 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Jesus is trying to move her, remember, Jesus is trying to move her in this passage from unbelief to belief. 
Jesus is trying to help her to get past her problems. But as he approaches her and talks to her, she starts throwing up walls in front of him and says, God, you can't help me. And she says here, you say you're going to give me something you don't have anything to draw with. And how many times in life do we have problems and situations in our life that we, say, that we say, in theory, we know God can help us, but we say in our heart, but you don't understand the bigness of my problem. You don't understand the challenge that I'm facing. You don't understand the difficulty. You don't really understand it. But if you did, you wouldn't ask if you could help because you knew that you couldn't. But once again, God is saying to her, you're looking at physical things and I'm trying to speak to you in a spiritual manner and I can help you spiritually. And when I help you spiritually, it will help you physically. And God is trying to move her. And how many times we try to talk to people, our, our commission as followers of Christ is to go out and preach the gospel, to make disciples to go out and to share the good news. But how many times do we throw up walls and throw up reasons why we can't do that? You don't understand. They might ask questions that I don't know the answers to. You don't understand. I can't go to that group of people because that group of people won't receive me. And that's what was going on here is that the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. I mean, they hated each other. Most of the time, and the reason that Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria, through Samaria, and the disciples were like, what? Because a lot of the Jews, they would literally cross the Jordan River, go up, and then cross the river, Jordan River back when they got past the area of Samaria. So they didn't even have to walk through that part of town. And Jesus said, I have to go through because I have to reach this woman. Look at a couple of verses with me here, because I want you to see that Jesus is going to move her in her thinking. In verse number nine, she calls Jesus a Jew. Look at verse number 11. The woman said unto him, sir. So now he has moved from being a Jew, just a Jew, to now it is sir. Jump down to verse number 19. It says, the woman said unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. So now we have moved from Jew to sir to prophet. And if you look at verse number 29, at the very last word, she says, is not this the Christ? She moves from Jew to he's the Christ. And through this conversation, Jesus is trying to get her to understand that I am who you need me to be. What problem are you facing today that you need God to step in and you need him to meet that need? Do you need comfort this morning? Are you going through a difficulty in your life that you're, that you're thinking, if I just could have some comfort in my life? My friend, he is the great comforter. If you're sick this morning and you're saying, boy, I just need healing. I know this family situation. I know this person and I'm praying for healing. He is the great physician. You need some place to run to because of the problems and difficulties in your life, and you need a tower in your life, some fortress that you can run to. In Psalms, he says, he is our high tower. He is there for us to run to and shelter us. My friend, this morning, if you need Jesus Christ to be something to you, he can be anything that you need him to be. He is more than just what you perceive him to be. 
So many times we perceive him to be that far off, distant God that isn't interested in the things going on in my life today. He's not interested in the things that I'm facing. He's not interested as our students go back to school. He's not interested in our kids going back to school. That's just part of life. What does God care about that? God cares deeply. God cares deeply about every area of our life. And through this story, we see that God is interested in everything that this woman is going through. In verse number 15, the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I may thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus finally got her to understand that she needed this water that he had to offer. And isn't it a great thing when we get people to understand and see that they need a Savior? Isn't it exciting to share? the? There is nothing more exciting. Let me rephrase that. There's nothing more exciting than sharing the gospel with somebody and having them hear the Word of God and receive it. If you've never shared the gospel with somebody, I would challenge you to learn how to share the truths of Scripture with those people around you because you have influence with them. And share the gospel with them. And she is ready now to receive. And here's what Jesus did. Notice this in verse number 16. And Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. What? You just said I need living water. You just said I need this water in my life. You said my life could be different if, you, if I receive this water. And I want to receive it now. And now you tell me to go get my husband? What does this have to do with anything? And Jesus says, You know, you think you're ready. But I'm going to put my finger on an issue in your life that I need you to get right. And the only way you're going to get right is if you acknowledge where you are. You know, a lot of people, they have this idea that Christianity and following Christ is easy. I can follow Christ and do anything I want to do. I can live any way I want to live. I can, I can be anybody who I want to be. But God says, no. He said, if you're going to follow me, he said, I'm going to put my finger on some things in your life and it's going to hurt. Because what does she do when Jesus puts his finger on this issue? In verse number 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Oh, you, oh, oh, I want the water, but oh, oh my, I, I don't even have a husband. She's covering up. She's trying to hide from that thing that has caused her deep pain in her life. She's trying to cover up and not admit the fact that this issue that you're bringing up, God, this issue, this is the thing in my life that has caused me to come to the well at noon to carry my water pot so that nobody else talks about me. This is the issue that you want me to deal with now? This is the thing? And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Oh, wow. You just completely ripped open my heart. 
You just completely tore that wound open and put your finger in it and said, this is your problem. I was trying to hide it. I was trying to keep it from people. I was trying to not talk about this. This is the issue that I didn't want to have to deal with. And now you're pointing it out. But God, if he's going to work in your life and he's going to change your life and he's going to use you, he has to point out problems and wrong in our life to make us confront it. If you're a parent, you know how important that is when dealing with a kid. Did you do that? No. Come on, tell me that you did that. Did you do that? Did you eat those cookies? Cookies all over their face, chocolate on their hands. No. Who did? Okay. We no. We we, we got to deal with this. This has. You have to deal with that issue. And God has to deal with the issues of our heart if he's going to move us on our walk with him. She changes the subject. She's really good at twisting and changing subjects. And all of a sudden now God is a prophet. And she's like, ooh, speaking of prophets, where do you worship? You know, because I was told that growing up as a Samaritan that we worshipped on this mountain, but I know that you Jews, you believe that you worship over on that mountain. And so which, which one is it? Is, which, which one's the real truth? And Jesus brings to her a point that I think is valuable for us today in verse number 23. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Jesus says to her, it isn't about that mountain. It's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. I love getting together with you all. I love getting together in this place right here. And I love the fact that we can call this our church. I love that we can work together to see this place flourish for the cause of Christ. But you know, there are other churches that do the same thing that we do, that preach the gospel, that see people saved, that encourage people all across the world, all across the nations. And we can't get so focused on the place, we have to focus on the who. And who are you worshiping? Who are you focused on? And Jesus in verse number 28 Jesus has gotten her to the point where she understood her problem, understood her situation. And in verse 28, it says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said unto the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? But notice in verse 28, it says that when the woman then left her water pot, she had been trying to fill her life full of things when her life should have been full of living water. And she left that pot that she'd been trying to collect things in. In your life, are you carrying around water pots that you're trying to fill with substitutes of living water? Instead of having a relationship with Jesus Christ, are you trying to fill and have a relationship with people as this woman did? Obviously, she had relationships with five different men. 
And Jesus said, quit trying to seek and fill your life full of things that will never fill you. They'll leave you empty. They'll leave you wanting more. He said, but I have something that will give you greater joy, something that will give you great fulfillment if you'll just receive it. And she received it and she put the water pot down and she ran back into the city and she said to the people, come and see. If it were you or I, we would have taken this lady and she made her decision for Christ. We would have sat her down and walked her through a plan and how to tell other people about Jesus. Here's what you need to do and here's the verses you need to use. And she didn't listen to any of that. She just took off running and she said, wait a minute, I got to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ. And she went and she told them about Jesus. And all she said, said to them was, come and see. Come and see. She told the people that he knows me. He knows my story, and he still loves me. He knows me. He knows my story, and he still loves me. This morning, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter what your story is. Jesus knows you, and he loves you. Jesus sent his son to die on the cross for your sin so that you could spend eternity with him. He loved you before you loved him. He loves you. He knows your story, and he wants you to come to him, come to a saving knowledge of him. So many times we, I grew up in church, and uh, my church was like my, either my home or my second home. I don't know where I stayed more. We'd go into the church kitchen, and anything that was in the church kitchen as a pastor's kid, it was your kitchen too, so what was ever there, you got to eat. And it was sometimes surprising, sometimes you were disappointed. But, you would, but growing up in church, it was that my, my life was a, was a very non-eventful in the fact that my testimony is very simple. I was four years old when I realized my need for salvation. I remember the teacher teaching on hell in my class, and I remember going to my dad afterwards and saying, Dad, I need to receive. I, I, I don't know what she was talking about, but I, want, I don't want to go to hell. And I followed Christ. I don't have a testimony of running from God, and I don't have a testimony. I mean, at, at four, I mean, before I was four, I spent a few years behind bars, um, and uh, I was on the bottle for a while there, but gave that up shortly. But, you know, I, I, don't, have, I don't have anything to say to people like, you know, hey, man, this God rescued me. And I remember sitting uh, after being married for a few years and sitting with a group of missionaries and a missionary by the name of Drew. He was giving us, we were sitting around giving testimonies and I gave my testimony that I, I don't have anything. And, I, and sometimes I, I, I wish that, you know, not that I ran from God, but that I had some element of my testimony that showed God's redeeming grace. Drew gave his testimony, and in Drew's testimony, he uh, grew, up, grew up and he was far from God, and, and uh, he, he literally, he had the testimony that he literally woke up in the middle of the night in a gutter, vomit on him from being drunk. He had that testimony about how God saved him and redeemed his soul, and, and now this, this man decided to go and be a missionary and serve God faithfully, and I listened to that testimony, and I thought, man... Isn't God awesome that he can take a person like that, that, that grew up like that and has that testimony and use him mightily for him? And afterwards, I was talking to Drew and I, I said, 
What I told you is that sometimes I wish that there was an element of my testimony. I don't want to run from God. I don't want to have, I don't, I, I'm not that in my heart, but something that just doesn't seem so blah. And Drew looked at me and he said, I told him, I said, sometimes I wish that I had a testimony like yours. And Drew looked at me and he said, I would give anything to have a testimony like yours. Anything. You know, this morning, I don't care what your story is. You may have grown up in church and followed God all your life. You may have grown up far from Christ. God has redeemed both of us. And it's time we own that story and not wish we had a different story or if, if I would have been raised different, if I would have lived different, I could go and I could tell people about Christ. No, this woman who grew up far from Christ, this woman who did not know him at all, grew up in a, in, within a group of people that had no idea, did not want and rejected the Jews. Jesus on purpose came to her and said, I know you. I know your story, and I love you. And what happens when a person realizes that God knows them and God loves them? Their life is changed. Look and see what this woman did in verse number 29. She said, come and see. Come and see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? If we look at verse number 39, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the sayings of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. This woman, her life was changed. And as a result of her life being changed, an entire city was impacted. An entire city was now exposed to Christ and was changed. My friend, I have a couple of questions for you as we end. Number one, I want you to look back at verse number seven. I told you to remember this little verse and that phrase because I want to ask you the same question this morning. It says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Jesus asked a simple request from this woman. But in this story, do you ever see that Jesus ever got his drink? Like this woman never came back and was like, hey, I know you asked for a drink at the beginning, you know, a while ago and I didn't give it. So let me get you a drink now. He never got the drink. Did he need this woman to give him a drink? No. He wanted to, her to do something to serve him. What has Jesus asked you to do? That is a simple little step that you have refused to do to follow him. 
A drink is not that big of a deal, but it is something that Jesus simply put that request out there and said, will you? And she never did. She kept pushing it off and pushing it off, giving excuse. I'm a Jew. You're a Jew. I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan. I can't. We worship on different. I can't do this. And she kept throwing up walls and throwing up excuses as to why she won't do what God has asked her to do. What is it in your life that God has asked you to do that you're refusing to do? What area of service is God saying to you, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. Would you do this? And you keep saying, no, God. I can't because I'm too old. I can't because I, I don't connect with that group. I can't because I need. I can't because it's too much time. I can't because it's too much money. I can't because, and we keep throwing up, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And God is saying, fine, the request is there. And I need you to do it. What is God asking you to do that you keep saying, no, the hurt's in my life? I can't do it because the hurt's in my life. I can't do it because people might find out who I really am. And God puts his finger, Jesus puts his finger on all of those issues in this woman's life. And finally, she releases and she goes, just keep the pot. I don't need that anymore. Next, in verse 29, we saw that she says that he told me all that ever I did. Will you own your story this morning? Will you own your story? Like, will you acknowledge that this is the life you have lived, good or bad? This is who you are, good or bad. This is who I am. I own my story this morning. And maybe it's the fact that you need to own your story so you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's you realize that God is putting his finger in your life and you realize, I am not saved and I need a savior. I need Jesus Christ in my life to give me that living water so I quit trying to fill my pots with things that never satisfy. Or maybe it's you that live a life that is clean and you have no radical testimony and you have nothing, realizing that your testimony is radical no matter when you got saved, that Jesus redeemed you and I'm going to use my testimony, I'm going to use my life and I'm going to own it and I'm going to follow Christ. It's time that we have people that are followers of Christ that own their testimony and own who they are. And lastly, will you invite somebody to come and see? Will you invite somebody to come and see? Maybe you don't have all the answers. What if they ask me a question I don't know? Just come and see. Like, but is, is this something that I can, that I can do? I, I don't even know what to do. Just tell them, come and see. What's going on in your life? Are you having a problem? Just, well, can, I, got, I got somebody that can, can answer your questions, that can solve your, how's he gonna do it? I don't know. I have this great need in my life. Yeah, I know. There's, there's somebody that can answer that need and that can help you through it and can, that can heal you and, and bring comfort and bring guidance to your life. And how's he going to do it? I don't know. Just come and see. When we got saved, we didn't understand all of the questions. We didn't even know all of the questions. All we knew was we were a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ was that one. This morning, will you ask somebody? Will you beg somebody? 
come and see.